0: Listening to the Transformations with Jane podcast. I'm your host, Jane Nakata, a New Zealander living her best life in Fukushima, Japan. I'm a podcast consultant and the creator of Pod Launch with Jane, a system that helps you create your dream podcast without all the drama and hassle, leaving you more free time to do the things you love to do. This show is for people who want to hear stories of women who are doing amazing things here in Japan and across the world. You'll find loads of inspiration for how you can live your best life wherever you are. I'm glad you're here. Let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Transformations with Jane podcast. I'm your host, Jane Nakata, coming to you from Fukushima Prefecture here in Japan. Well, today I have a very exciting episode for you. Today is part one of a two part series, which I have recorded with some of the wonderful women in the Transformations with Jane podcast community and from the uh, wonderful community of women that we have living here in Japan many of whom I know through Instagram. Instagram is a really great place to get to know other people without being very stalkery-ish. Today we have four guests on the show. I recorded with two guests on one recording and the other two on another recording and then i have used my editing magic to mash them all together into this two-part series so if you notice oh she said that before or something's a bit weird well that's why but i think we're going to hit some of the topics that a lot of parents of children in japan are worried about especially if you have children who are half japanese And you are wondering, are you doing it right? Is this the right way? I don't know. Will I only know when it's too late? Well, today we have some of our senpai mamas and mamas who are also at the same point in life with their kids as you. So I'm sure you will find a lot of value in what our guests have to say today. So today we have Christine Ayuzawa, Jackie Miyabayashi, Jordana Matsuda and Fran Ishido joining us on the show. So, I hope you will enjoy listening to their experiences. And every experience is different, every part of Japan is different, and every family is different. So, you can get some inspiration for how to move forward from this episode, I'm sure. So, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Yeah. It's a very special episode today because we have quite a few guests on the show today. So, Fran, why don't you introduce yourself and tell everybody a little bit about where you are in Japan and who you are, how did you get here, and all those important things.
1: Hi, I'm Fran. I'm originally from New Zealand, and now I'm living in Higashi-Osaka in Osaka Prefecture. I came here in 2003, so almost 18, 19 years ago. Um, I now live with my husband and two kids. The eldest is almost eleven, and the youngest will be five next week. So we've had some some good experiences with schools in Japan, and excited to talk about it today.
0: Yeah, thanks for that. So I'm your Japan Senpai by one year. I came in two thousand and two. I also have an. I have a ten year old actually going on eleven soon and a six-year-old. So we're kind of, our kids are kind of the same age. Yeah. So thank you so much for volunteering to come on the show today, Fran. And I just have to tell everybody, this is Fran's first Zoom and Fran's first podcast episode. So this is really great. So yeah, you're doing so well. (laughs) Well So our other guest is Jordana.
2: I'm Jordana Matsuda. And yeah, I guess I came the year after you, Fran. So I came in 2004. And I've been living in Tokyo the whole time. Um, My son is eight, so he's he's a second grader right now. Um, Yeah, and yeah, I'm an artist and teacher. And yeah, I've done a lot of of work with Ojuku. I've been through the Ojuken system up until this point, so from kindergarten through to second
3: grade. So yeah, I'm looking forward to sharing what I've learned along the way. Okay. Hi, everyone. Thank you, Jane, for having me today. I'm Jackie Miyabayashi uh, from New Zealand. I've lived in Japan for more years than I can count, over 20, definitely. I'm here today to hopefully share some of the wisdom I've gained over the years with my two children. I have two sons. Tyler is 15, and he will be heading into His first year of senior high school from April, so he's a junior high schooler, and uh, my son Noah has just turned twenty, and he is just finishing up his second year at university, so he lives away from home and all that. Maybe I have a few things that I can share about the road to get to. Well, I have one adult. Officially. Yes, an
0: official adult in your family now. Wow.
3: <laughs> and uh, one teenager. So, yeah, I can definitely talk to you about the teen years. <laughs> yeah. So, that's my deal. So, so. Thank you
0: so much. Thank you. Yeah. And, Jackie, you're down in Osaka, aren't you? Yep, sort of representing a- Kansai today. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: yeah. Just outside of Osaka. I mean, it's Osaka Prefecture, but I'm um, not in the city anymore. So, I wouldn't call it rural, but we're well, not in downtown anyway.
0: Okay. Yep, so yeah.
4: that's us. That's Great.
0: Me. Thank you. And Christine, please introduce yourself.
4: Hi, I'm Christine. I am a mom of two little ones. Mine are quite younger than, than Jackie's. My son is eight and my daughter is five. I am American, but I've been here in Japan for about 17 years now. Came originally on the JET program to Gumaken, and I've spent the 15 years following that in Tokyo working in the recruitment industry. I'm um, really excited to be here and gain some wisdom. Your kids are a little bit farther along than mine, so it's it's really exciting for me to, to take part in all of this from that perspective as well.
0: All righty. Yeah, so today we have some questions from listeners, from people our, in our community on Instagram and things, talking about the education system in Japan and specifically transitioning from one to the next one a one level to the next one i should say so for example transitioning from not attending school to going to kindergarten or into elementary school and then onwards and onwards so i would like to start off with kindergarten as a as a topic how did you come to choose the kindergarten where you where you sent your children because i find this is a I don't know. Did you guys also experience this where it was kind of like the topic of conversation before your kids started kindergarten? Whenever you go anywhere, I know Japanese parents would say, oh, so where have you decided to send your child? I'm like, my child is only two. I haven't decided to send them anywhere. And then then they would say, oh, we chose X kindergarten because of this program and and that program and, and all of these things. And by the end of it, I was so confused. How about you, Fran? What was it like for you deciding what kind of kindergarten to send your kid to?
1: Yeah. So when my son was at that age, um, I was actually working at an international kindergarten and financially, and for a lot of other reasons, it was just easier to, to bring him with me each day. So my son actually attended the three years of international kindergarten. After that, when I was pregnant with my daughter, I quit that school and just am now staying at home. But because of that reason, we couldn't send her to international kindergarten. It was just too expensive. So we decided to send her to a local one, um, a Japanese one. So it's been really interesting. We've been able to have the experience of, of both. How we chose the kindy for my daughter is just the closest one. Uh, it was kind of a, a tough process to get her in there, but luckily we we made the cut. It's only a two-minute walk from our house, so we were really lucky to get her in there. We had a few on the backup list, but luckily we didn't have to, to choose any of
0: Wow. You wanted to get her into the one closest to you, but it was a tough interview.
1: Yeah, that's right. It's a, it's a popular kindy in our local area, really kind of focusing on the athletic side of things rather than the, the study side of things. So it really looked like it was going to suit my daughter. And yeah, we were really lucky to get in.
0: And so she's nearly finished there, isn't she? Is she in the...
1: Yeah, she'll start her final year in April.
0: Okay, so she's part most of the way through. And so far, so good.
1: Yeah, it's wonderful. She started with zero Japanese, pretty much, um, and has become fluent alongside her peers. So it's been a great experience.
0: Yeah, so you've got both the experience of the international kindergarten where there was more English, not so much Japanese, potentially, but some Japanese, of course, right?
1: Yeah. yeah it's advertised as a bilingual school. it's actually on the IB program, but yeah mostly focused on English.
0: mm that would be amazing. How about you, Jordana? How did you come to to choose the kindergarten?
2: Yeah, so my son actually came to I also worked in international preschool and he from like one and a half to just before kindergarten he we were work, he came to work with me every day. But I kind of had to make that decision. I think a lot of mums when their kids start kindergarten, do i put my kid into quickerin like nurse like daycare or do i put them into kindergarten and if i put him into kindergarten my company basically said well you'd have we don't have a position for you <laughs> so it was like multiple things to think about at once do i keep working and keep him in international school do i keep working and put him in japanese daycare or do i quit and put him into uh, kindergarten japanese kindergarten so i ended up I really wanted to put him in a Montessori school. So that was like the focus for searching for a school. And in the end, he went for Japanese Montessori kindergarten. And similar to Fran, it was kind of, you had to go through the interview process. So a lot of the mums that I know were very serious about finding the right school. And especially like an escalator school, like one that's from kindergarten all the way through to high school. And that was just so, so overwhelming at the time. Mm. Um, so we just kind of narrowed it down. We want a Montessori school that is within biking distance because that was kind of a priority for me after the earthquake in 2011. I wanted to somewhere that I could get to quickly if needed. So, yeah, we went through the interview process. And as stressed as I was before because it was all in Japanese and my Japanese is it's okay, but in stressful situations, I always get a bit nervous. I think the school really looked at the kid and the parents and how, like, you interact and talk. And it was a really, like, not a stressful interview in the end. Like, it was built up to be such a thing. But, yeah, we got in and he really enjoyed the three years at the Japanese kindergarten so we, I feel I think I guess we made the right choice it's still hard to know isn't it sometimes <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right well Christine so your your kids are quite young how about in your family's case what were some of the the things that helped you to choose where you would send your kids
4: well I work full-time and so does my husband so kindergarten was never in the cards for us in the way it operates here in Japan too even extend the afternoon and have the kids stay past the regular pickup time would barely be a four and a half hour workday in Tokyo by the time you commute to and from the office, which is what we were doing when our kids were little a couple of years ago. So I would say Hoi Kuen was just the option that we had in order to keep everything moving in, in terms of our family. And we we're really fortunate when my son was little that we were able to find a hoikran in our area that took, they call zero saiji, so babies before they turn one year old, because a lot of the public daycares in the area at that time didn't start until after the child's first birthday. My son is born in late July, so we would have had to wait until the following April to even be able to consider going back to work. So we were very lucky to find a place, and it's little, and we were. Basically begging and trying to negotiate with them to squeeze my daughter in because she's a December baby to so to get her locked in before she was in that first year class so that I could return to work on time for her as well. We were basically talking to the daycare about our pregnancy around the same time as we started talking to our family about our pregnancy. Oh my
0: god, it was really? It
4: so much kind of begging and negotiating to to try to get her in, especially because our daycare was in the process of going public. So if she wasn't a student before December 1st or whatever, it, all applications were going to be shut down for the, the public process that was starting for the following spring. So that's really the driving force for what set the tone for what we would do. It had to be something local. And we don't live in a part of Tokyo where there's tons of international preschools or options like that. It has changed a little bit. There's many more daycares that have popped up in the eight years since we squeezed my son into the one that was closest to our house. But it's still a huge challenge to be able to find something where you can drop your kids off in time to commute and have them be able to stay long enough to work a full day. So what's your number one tip
0: for mothers who are like looking at the pregnancy test they're in Tokyo, they're looking at the pregnancy test and they're like, oh, looks like I'm having a baby. They need to get on the phone and figure out where their kid's going. If, if they're a working like a like yourself, like working full-time out of the house type parent.
4: Yeah, is I would that, say start exploring you what your options are as, as early as you can. If you're going to go the, the public application route, at least where I am in Tokyo, you apply towards the end of the year and you find out around February where your kid is going to be able to go in April. So you don't get tons of time to plan and coordinate with your workplace and do all the things that you want to be doing to have your life move a little bit more smoothly. Uh, there are usually private or semi-private kind of licensed operations that are also running, but we just had no idea what we were getting into. This part of Tokyo is not where either of us are from. Just kind of moved here out of convenience for both of our work commutes. So when the midwife came to check on me a couple of weeks after my son was born, she kind of asked what our plans were because they, Fill in all that paperwork about you, and knew I had a job before I, I gave birth, and I said, "Yeah, we'll, we'll just apply at this or this time." And she said, mm, "Here are the facts about how many daycare spots there are for zero sidey babies in this neighborhood. You probably want to get on the phone pretty soon." <laughs> we thought, oh, "Oh my god, no! <laughs> how can <could laughs> we be doing this already?" Um, mm. But that was it. Ended up being good advice because we could apply to. The daycare that we ended up going with, um, and their application process was on a different cycle in the public process, so we knew farther in advance that we had a spot. And he was quite young when April came around, uh, and we were able to negotiate a little bit for him to start more like mid-May or something when he was a little bit sturdier.
0: Oh wow, that. That just really sounds quite stressful. So, yeah, um, if you can use this information from Christine to make it the transition more smooth for your family, then that's really awesome. How about in your family situation, Jackie?
3: Um, going way back in my memory. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, well, I was working full time too when I got pregnant with my older son, but I had pretty much already decided that I probably wouldn't return to work. I had a year of maternity leave and which was I, I don't know if that standard or my company was okay with that. I didn't ever have to put my kids into daycare in the same way. So this is all like wow, mind blowing to me as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when it
0: came of- to like the kindergarten discussion, mm-hmm. and did you send your first son off when he was? three to be in the initial Uh,
3: class (laughs) no so Hmm. um, I had already decided that my kids would only go to kindergarten for two years Mm -hmm. after they turned four and that was following on from what we do in New Zealand is that you well when I was a kid you went to kindergarten when you were four for one year and then you went off to school when you were five I just always had it in my mind that three was too young to send them off to a thing for the day and because I was lucky that I was able to stay home but then that did actually prove to be a little bit uh, difficult to find a place that only offered that offered two-year program getting a position yeah yeah Mm. so and then uh, around also the same time we started talking about moving. And and so now we live quite far out of the city, but that was part of the conversation was we wanted our kids to have a garden. We didn't have one in our house where we lived in Osaka city. And then we were able to find the kindergarten that had a two-year program. So it wasn't that easy to get into, but we did and it was all fine.
4: Yeah.
0: yeah. That's something I've noticed, isn't it? That if you only want to be there for the final two years of kindergarten, you kind of just have to hope to have a place for you
4: that don't well,
3: basically, yeah. I mean, it's changed a lot. I don't know if people know this, but they talk a lot about the decreasing population. And uh and even in between my two kids, it's really, really noticeable how that's affecting schools. So when we tried to get Noah into kindergarten, they had uh, you know, 75 applicants for 20 places. Mm in the second year program, we were just really lucky that my husband got up at 4.30 in the morning and queued up outside the gate in order right. to get a place. That was how it was, first come, first serve in the line. Uh, and then uh, there's five years between my two kids. So by the time we it was time to register Tyler, I just went along to the introduction, you know, the what do they call it, the setsume kai, and the principal told me that it would be no worries getting him in. He was also doing a two year program, but um, they had something like 12 applicants for the 20 places. <laughs> right. Yeah, because mm. they just aren't the number of kids.
0: True. And and increase, maybe an increase in the number of daycares, right? They
3: did, they did um, put I don't know. No, I don't daycares. think so out here where we are. Oh, okay. Well, yes, day, children going to daycare. You know, there's more parents who are having to work. That was one of the big mm-hmm. things. And then the, a lot of the mothers were working as full time as they could, even with kindergarten. So, yeah, it's changed.
0: Definitely. Yeah, that's so interesting. 30 yeah. in the morning to get yeah. in
3: the well, queue. Because, well, we didn't live nearby we were in the process oh, right. of you were... building a house mm. so he, had, he got there at like 5 30 or something but but still 5 30 in yeah. the morning that's pretty wild yeah and this we were is... num- we were the last ones we were number 17 they'd already allocated three spots to siblings right three out of the 20 so we were number 17 and that was the last one. So Oh my goodness
0: you just really lucky. scraped in <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh wow.
3: Yeah, yeah. and I, that still happens today, right? In
0: some places, there's still the system. Like you show up on the certain day and line up and hope that you're gonna be, yeah, further enough along the line to get accepted. Yeah, it's a bit stressful for the parents.
3: Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, that's really it's interesting. All, all yeah. stressful, you know. Oh, yeah. Um. But uh, don't envy Christine having to do it with a newborn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. you know?
0: Yeah, Yeah, I just remember being absolutely gobsmacked that I need to make this decision when my Mm. kid is still a year or more away from actually starting any kind of kindergarten. And then I realized that, wow, there's this sort of secret side entrance to some of these places that if you know about them, it's much easier to get into the kindergarten of your choice. I don't know if you noticed this later, perhaps it's hindsight and It was definitely hindsight for me was um, noticing that So in my my case, there was three kindergartens that I was looking at and all within sort of less than 10 minutes drive. So it meant that I could ride a bike there if I had to. Same thing, if there was a massive disaster again, that my kid is not going to be way across the other side of town and not be able to get them or go and pick them up. If I had to walk, I could get there in like 40 minutes kind of thing here where i live the the one closest i had never heard anything good about it i only heard oh it's very clicky and the kids don't get to play outside and i was like okay no <laughs> and then, and also that they have bento every day and i was like no not making bento every day no way and so it was down to two and i went to the um as they have like if if you're looking for kindergartens they often have these sort of warm-up play dates, sort of pre-kindergarten classes that you can go along to. And there'll be a schedule that happen throughout the year. And some of them are very organized and you'll actually be there with the same group of people each time. And you have a table where you sit at and your, na- your kid's name is on the table and it's very sort of preparing you for a kindergarten. And I didn't realize at the time I just stumbled into one of these looking for something to do with my kid thinking, oh, this would be, you know, nice to go to every, well, I think it was once a month or or something. It was only once a month. But it was this the secret entrance to this kindergarten. And I didn't realize it until much later. And when it was time to sort of sign up, it was like, oh well, you here's your um sign up papers. Just drop them off next time you're here. There was no lining up and waiting to pick up the papers at eight o'clock in the morning on the sign up day or anything that anybody else had to do and so I was like okay well this is great so we signed up we went to that kindergarten and it was a wonderful kindergarten it was great but I did know later that we had found this magic side door to get in there right so yeah if you are a foreigner you might not know that there are these ways that you can sort of make it easier for yourself to get into your chosen kindergarten and one of them is by finding out if there's any sort of pre-warm-up kind of things where you're basically getting uh, vetted for whether they want you in the kindergarten or not. They get to see you 10 times. They get to see your kid 10 times before you start. And it's actually really fun. And the bonus that I found from that was that I now know a good chunk of all the parents and all the kids in my kids' class. So when we started on the first day, I was not this like random foreigner showing up and everybody's like, who the hell is that? You know, oh my God, it's a foreigner. It was like, oh look, there is Jane and Amelia, you know, who we're used to seeing around. And I was part of the like kachigumi. I want to call it the kachigumi, the, the, the group of, you know, mums who all know each other already, which every mum wants to be in that group, right? When you're in a new situation. And somehow I was magically in this group because I'd been at this pre-kindergarten every month. And then my, my kid knew all the kids and I knew all the mothers. And that was just life-changing to be part of that group from day one on the first day of kindergarten when the kids started. And I didn't realize that it was going to affect my kid when she got to elementary school. And so when she got to elementary school, she wasn't in the biggest group of kids from a certain kindergarten. She was in the second biggest group, but it was big enough that when we got to elementary school, people knew who we were. We weren't like the only ones who'd been at X kindergarten and some away across the other side of town and had to start from zero again. And so I was like, wow, this is interesting. I didn't know that that would be a thing, but it is. But I'm really glad <laughs> that somehow I'm still in the Kachigumi here. So yeah, if you're a foreigner in, in Japan, it could, you know you might not consider that, but it is something to consider, especially if you struggle with being a new person in new situations like I do. I was just like, oh, I'm so grateful to just know more and more people. Did either of you experience something like that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. As I said, my son was at the international kindergarten um with me, but for elementary school he's gone to the one closest to our our home, the local Shogako. And yeah, because he was um at the international school, he was the only one. And there were there were groups of as you mentioned, groups of kids who'd been through the same local kindy together, the local daycare together. And yeah, it was it was like starting all over again exactly as you as you said. And luckily he has some cousins who attend the same school. So I, I did know some other parents, but, yeah, I haven't really been able to make any mum friends at, at the Shogaku. Unfortunately, it's been quite hard.
0: Okay, but yeah. definitely really something mm-hmm. to think about. Yeah, yeah. Like is, is this kindergarten step going to affect what happens in elementary? And maybe for your daughter it's probably not because she's, right, you know the kids that are coming up through with her, that probably a lot of them are going to go to your neighbourhood Elementary, right? And you, then you're going to be in the country community right now. <laughs> Next time around, you you got it right. <laughs> How about you, Jordan? How did that that choice affect when your son went to elementary? Because you did something quite different, didn't you? You didn't choose yeah. the local elementary school, was that right?
2: That's right. Yeah, like I was going to say as well. Like using in the secret side door. I think another good tip is if you can join a play group or some kind of your like kids' group lesson. A lot of the mums talk about local schools, local kindergartens, and how to get into them. You can get so many gems
4: from can, moms, yes.
2: Japanese mums who, you know, have so much more access or know so many other people. So I think if you can join a local, a little, mother and baby class or what have you, that's a really good thing to think about, like, you know, a year before you start or something. But, yeah, going from kindergarten to elementary, um, you know, we, I really didn't think about <laughs> what other kids would, which other kids would be going up to the same school. This kindergarten, I'd say about 50% of the kids went to private school, the others went to local school. So all the kids who went to local school were in the same school or went up to the same school it ended up my son was the only kid who went to his elementary school but the good thing about the two schools kindergarten elementary they're both um they're both catholic schools because the montessori and catholic usually go together so the transition in terms of teaching style and environment were quite similar so there wasn't like a big shock of like oh, my God, I was in this really relaxed kind of Montessori environment and now I'm in, like, you know, a strict kind of Japanese elementary school. It was a smooth transition because they have the same outlook on education. So, um, yeah, I think that definitely helped him in terms of the daily routine and what have you. Mm-hmm.
0: And so your, your son did cram school, is that right? Yeah. Sorry. Hmm.
2: Yeah, it's like yeah, it's like a kind of
0: prep school. Um, there's yeah,
2: tell us about that.
0: This this experience yeah, that you had.
2: Yeah, hmm. like I, I can only speak to Tokyo um because you know, I don't know other areas alike. Are but I feel in Tokyo, there's almost like two levels of private school. There's like the more elite side, and then there's more like more relaxed side. So I think when you decide which school you'd like your kid to go to that determines what kind of cram school you would put your child into. Um, for us, we only basically, there's just one school we chose and we wanted to go to and we knew it was a more relaxed style school. So my son joined, I don't even want to say it's a cram school. It was like once a week and it was very much, I want to say knowing a little bit about Montessori, their way of teaching is very similar to Montessori. So it was more about getting the kid ready to sit and listen to instructions and preparing them for what an interview may be like but not in a regimented kind of mm-hmm. what are they doing to my you know five-year-old kid feeling What's five plus five <laughs> why don't you know yeah, what five yeah, plus yeah. five is? None yeah. Of, yeah 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 it was none of that it was right. like like learning to you know write hiragana and the really the basics the, the real basics um and the benefit of Choosing Cram School is that a lot of the teachers who work in the Cram School have connections in the elementary school. (laughs) So you made me strategic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, like, one of his teachers, she used to teach at the elementary school. So, we got like an introductory meeting before the actual interview with the headmaster of the school. So if you choose a more elite school then it's a very different story I think
0: <laughs> I think I it's imagine. much
2: yeah it's like much you more know,
0: connections and yeah and, like and
2: it's a lot more it's a lot more stress on the parents and the kids like a new one family who were trying to get into one of the top schools and like she disappeared <laughs> we didn't see them anymore because they were just at ground school you know three times a week and yeah the pa- the mother is a lot of pressure on the mother as well if you are trying to get into a top school to prepare your child and also yourself to be ready for that interview because parents are involved in elementary school interviews so um, how you interact in that situation is important yeah mm,
0: my goodness yeah <laughs> wow so i obviously live in fukushima prefecture and uh, iwaki city where we don't really have this because it's the Inaka, kind of the Inaka, like um there aren't really any elite schools or private. Well, they're private schools, but it's like if you want to pay the money, you can go kind of situation. Rather than oh, can you get in? Everybody wants to get into the top public high school here. Basically, if your kid gets into the top public high school in the city, but your job as a parent is done. Like you're okay. Yeah, But if your kid doesn't, oh my God, like life's over kind of thing. It's quite, quite, quite strange. So I'm interested to know, obviously from the Tokyo situation, you might not feel comfortable about sending your kid to the local elementary school or the local junior high school, depending on where you happen to live and what your options are. Where I live. I live in a very nice part of town, and I have have no problem to send my child to local elementary school, and the local junior high school is, will also be fine as far as any junior high school in our city. But in Tokyo, and I think in Osaka too, right? It's not not the same. Can you speak a little bit about some of the concerns that parents in those parts of Japan have about sending their kids to, with you know, when you're deciding when you're going to send your kids to the, the public school that's in your district or deciding to go private.
1: I don't know if it's only status, but it's definitely a big thing that, you know, people use as as introductory conversation, my son, my daughter goes to so and so school or she's on the track to go to so and so university. It's it's definitely connected to status from what I I've understood. And because of the readily available rankings of public and private schools in Japan, you can find out the quality or People would like to say the quality of, of teachers or education in each school. I, I definitely had reservations about sending my son to the local elementary school just because my parents are teachers. I went to private school. Education is extremely important in my family. And I did worry that the, the education level might be subpar or um, be lacking in, in some way. However, the fact that my son is bilingual and we have, I guess, the opportunity to send him abroad for a study later on. Or I do feel like I've, I've got kind of that in my back pocket for later on. We could change our mind. And as a, a kind of side, my, my husband and all of his siblings went to this local elementary school as well. And they all believe very strongly that building connection in the community is equally as important as the, the level of education at elementary school level. So a lot of them own their own businesses or have ties to the community and knowing and keeping friends from elementary school level has proved quite important in their businesses. So that was also something that kind of influenced our decision as well.
0: Wow. Elementary school. <laughs> like uh yeah, like coming from New Zealand where that's like not a thing at all. Yeah, I'm just like mind blown. And that's I hadn't really thought of that. Like if your family lives in the same area like yeah your husband's family has kind of lived in the same neighborhood for a couple of generations and you have local businesses you want to yeah you want to be friends with all the people who also would have been your classmates at elementary school and junior high right and then and then they'll get married and you know we'll all stay together stay in the same area. <laughs> yeah okay that's a really interesting perspective that that having that relationship with with local people Yeah, in my neighborhood, it's a much more transient area of town. Like it's a very new neighborhood and people are not necessarily from here. So it's, I don't see it as being quite the same in this neighborhood because people could leave quite easily. There's not the same community ties, but I understand what you mean about like being in the same place for a long time and the importance of community ties in Japan. That is a huge a huge thing but yeah here we're seeing how it influences people's decisions on where they when they send their kids to school interesting super interesting thank you for that Brian. how about your side Jordana
2: I think because Tokyo there's so many people unfortunately like we don't have that sense of community which I really miss because I grew up in the countryside in the UK mm. um yeah so I don't think there is that sense and also people are quite, this is one thing I struggled with. They're a bit cagey about where they're going to send their kids to school. Like the last year of kindergarten, a lot of the mums in the same grade kind of stopped talking about elementary because there's, <laughs> no. like, I'm, I'm like, yeah. And I, at first I was just like, Oh, like maybe my Japanese, maybe they didn't catch my meaning in Japanese and like a lot of my, Japanese friends from different kindergartens are really open and freely talking but within my son's kindergarten there was like
0: a shutdown of um because you suddenly a competition right yeah yeah right? yeah and I just I never thought about wherever yeah. you're gunning for it right oh my god exactly
2: and I, I never thought about that at mm. all and um so it was a big learning curve about how to deal with those situations but I think once you once you realize you can kind of handle it a bit more. For me, like the reason why we decided not to go with the local school is mainly because the teachers change every, I don't know if it's the same throughout Japan, the teachers change every two years. And having worked in elementary school for maybe three or four years, I saw the impacts when a head teacher changes in the school. And that kind of worried me because I saw how the whole atmosphere of the school change, could could change. And I am somebody who overthinks things, so I'm always, like, analysing each element of, of those type of things. So,
0: yeah, if you're worried about the, the, the kind of education that your kid might get and, mm-hmm. yeah, you do have other options, of course you're going to look at them, right? You're going to look yeah, at yeah. those other options and see – Whereas, yeah, here there's just no options. Of course, you're going to send your kid to the local elementary school. So, and I didn't realize that I, when we bought our house, when we built this house, that we needed to sort of think about that because we didn't have any kids at the time. And even that's a little bit odd, is to to actually build a house before you even have any children to put in the house. But um, yeah, we we bought this house in in this neighborhood, and it turned out all right. Turned out excellent, actually. But yeah, it could have not turned out okay um, if we hadn't. Yeah, because even my husband said, oh, "I don't really think about schools when <laughs> we we just chose this this particular house, uh, piece of land because it was worked out for us." But that was our sort of hindsight as well that somehow we magically ended up in a really nice neighborhood. So, mm. I
2: was just gonna say one more thing. Like, I don't know how different it is from city to city, but in Tokyo, there's like two levels of public elementary schools as well. So there's like the, set. I live Setagayaku. So there's like the, the ward elementary schools and then there's like Tokyo City elementary schools. Oh, yeah. So the local like ward schools, you can just anybody who lives in that area can go to that school. Yeah. And then the city run school, there is like an entrance interview process,
4: mm-hmm.
2: which is, it varies between areas but like the local one local to us that we were considering you had an interview and if you pass the interview there was then a lottery system so oh. yeah <laughs> so you could pass the interview and then if you don't get selected for the lottery then you don't get in so it's half you know the effort Jared, you put in but it's luck, also right. half yeah. luck
0: yeah it's very japanese isn't it like, we're just gonna <laughs> pick like you're okay but we're actually gonna pick you by just luck, right? We might as well do junk in for a, a place, <laughs> yeah, in the exactly. stout, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's nothing like being part of a of an OB or an OG network in Japan, that's for sure. And I noticed that as another magical side entrance to a kindergarten. If you can, if you're friends with an OG or an OB from a kindergarten, or you know, even in elementary school, I'm sure they have the same system, they'd like you to introduce people to them. And so I have had quite a few people say to me, oh, your kid went to ex-kindergarten. Could you put me on the list when the when the piece of paper comes around? And they send home like piece of paper saying, do you know anyone who would like to put their child in kindergarten? And those people yeah, get sort of pushed to the front of the line because chances are if you're friends with someone who's already in the kindergarten, you might be a good fit. And so, yeah, I noticed there's those sort of ways that you can get in as, as a friend of someone if you're not. A relative, so yeah. I actually had one person who I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I'll recommend you," and I recommended them. And then the principal called me and was like, "Oh, you've recommended so and so, um, but her address is is not on our bus route. It's outside our bus route." And I'm like, "Oh, okay, but you're calling me about this because why?" But I, and I said, "Oh, no, her." parent's house is actually on the bus route and that's where the kid will be going after kindergarten because she works and and they're like oh okay okay so (laughs) thank god i knew that information but you're vouching for these people so you you should also be careful who you do recommend (laughs) because they um reflect back on you as well yes all righty so christine they say in japan that Elementary school is kind of like a a wall for especially working mothers, that a lot of working mothers actually don't drop out of the workforce until their kid starts elementary school because that is more difficult to manage than uh, daycare where you of course you pay money and you expect that your child will, will be looked after and so there's the kind of it's it's all it's like a business almost right whereas elementary school is they're coming home at all kind times of the day, they're changing the schedule all the time. It's an and obviously some schools have gakudo and you can put your kids in the after school care. But as we've seen recently, uh those can get shut down, etc. How have you found it with uh working full time and then having your son go to elementary school?
4: I have to admit I don't think I've had the full experience in terms of what you're describing because he started elementary school in April of 2020 sure. so right. nothing <laughs> that we've experienced for the past two years has been <laughs> typical to what I think it's it's like we were anxious about him getting into gakudo because our school is kind of on the north end of our district and there is a gakudo on site and then the next closest gakudo is at another elementary school, two kilometers away or something like that, you know, a a whole district on the other side of our house. So if he didn't get into this Gakudo, we were going to have to try to find some other kind of paid after school care. And that might've been closer to a station, still a couple of kilometers for him to walk in the evenings. And we've been really lucky. We have lucked out in all the situations where they say your siblings could end up in different Hoikouen. You might not get into Gakudo. We've squeaked through (laughs) all of those, (laughs) which has been tremendously lucky my company moved to more of a flex time working schedule after i returned from maternity leave with my daughter so that made my working hours a little bit more flexible and i was thinking okay if i need to be the one who is home because my husband was commuting over 2 hours each way at that time so if i need to be the one who's home to see him off to elementary school and i'm not going to get to my office until i don't know 9:30 or something like that realistically then Maybe I just have to make sure I don't have early morning meetings, and I'll figure out a way to manage it. But it turned out that my office was closed in April of 2020, and you know the schools were closed in Tokyo in April of 2020. And he had he had an outdoor entrance ceremony. You know, one parent was allowed to stand or sit in the field while the kids officially became ichinensei, and then he didn't enter the school again until the second half of June. We would go every couple of weeks to pick up packets. So I don't really know because we've been home most of the time and there have definitely been times like right now, we're not sending him to Gakudo. The school is doing half days because of how high the case numbers are. And Mm -hmm. so he is coming home at lunchtime and Gakudo is open, but because we're here in the house and just looking to minimize risk as much as possible in this current moment, he's coming home and we can manage it because having two kids in the house while you're working from home is not ideal, but. We're fortunate that we have the flexibility at work to navigate it. So I, I could see why it's more difficult, especially for people who don't have the flexibility in their working hours or who are not able to secure a Gakudo. And a lot of times Gakudo spots can start to kind of dry up as kids become sanensei or yonensei, and society thinks they're old enough to be left home alone, but sending, you know, my eight or nine-year-old to be home alone. With the number of earthquakes there are in Japan well, I'm working an hour and a half away, I think would be more anxiety than I can handle. So I do understand why it's a decision that forces people's hands.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I I mean, I look around my neighborhood, there's a lot of working moms in my neighborhood and I see them coming home with their kids at 7 PM, like they're getting in the door at 7 PM. And I'm like, oh my God, my kids are going to bed in half an hour and you guys are just getting in the door. It's rough. Yeah. So I'm really glad that we didn't have to make that decision in our case. It's <laughs> we've been able to didn't to, to avoid that. But yeah, that's a lot of what a lot of parents are dealing with in Japan, right? This, this lifestyle. Mm. Yeah. So I hope you enjoyed part one of our two-part series today with our wonderful four guests who have such a variety of experience and just even where they live all over Japan and how their families are shaped really does affect how things go in your life. So next week, we will have part two. We will be covering some really important topics. Actually, two of my favorite topics are in next week's episode, which are bilingualism and the PTA in Japan. So If you're wondering what's it like to be on the PTA or, oh, I haven't done it yet. Should I volunteer this year? All those questions will be answered for you next week. Thank you so much for listening. As always, please share this episode, especially with other women living in Japan who might be feeling alone or worried about the choices that they're making for their family. I hope that it will help them to feel more confident about what they're doing, and to really just lean into life in Japan. So thank you and see you again soon. Bye-bye.